Hi there. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Despair on the Air. On the internet. I'm Gary. And I'm Angie. And today, we have a very, 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 very special guest. We got the Sonderbombs. More specifically, Willow from the Sonderbombs. And they're a band from where, Angie? Ohio. Gozaimasu. Just yeah. kidding. That's a little <laughs> wordplay for yeah. you, because the state Ohio is also the word for good morning in Japanese, Ohio. But wait, are we recording this in the afternoon, and this show is being broadcasted, and the show is being broadcasted at night? Uh, I don't get it. I know how to say good night in Japanese. I think it's uh uh. uh Oh yes, oh yes, Oh yes, nasai. Good night, sweet I think prince Naruto. Yo, yo, oh, yasumi. But that's good night. That's like I'm going to bed. I think you should say good evening if it's like the evening time, but somebody doesn't want to go to bed. Yeah. I think good evening is konbanwa. Ooh. Wow, it's a language podcast now. Yes. Taught by somebody who doesn't know the language. Me either. But that's okay. If you try, it's an effort. Yes, and we'll be starting. No. Yes, and before we play a track from our special guest, we are starting the show off with Nine Months by Annie DiRuzzo. Woo! Then we're playing a song off the Sonder Bombs recent album Cloughbound. The song titled Play It By Fear. Yeah. So we had a good chat with Willow. So please enjoy the tunes and enjoy our interview. Thank you for listening to Despair. On the air on BFF.FM. Yeah. First thing you said the night we met is I was beautiful And you were right that New Year's night I looked so beautiful So good inside, life in my eyes I was so beautiful That's the last time I looked so beautiful Cause now I'm standing in your light and it's not I was so beautiful But now I'm sleeping just so
Hi there! Hello, friend. You're listening to Despair on the Air. On the internet. I'm Gary. And I'm Angie. And today we have another very special guest. You probably know them. You know their tunes. Welcome, the Sonderbombs. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Willow from the Sonderbombs. It's just me today. We're super excited to have you, though. And... Oh my gosh, we've been such a fan of the band for a long time. What, like, I think if there was ever a band to be called, like, a powerhouse band, uh, the Sound of Bombs would be it. Yeah. Oh my god, wow, uh, just starting off, like, thank you, just just making me blush. This is the truth! <laughs> and uh, on Spotify, you have a very nice number of monthly listeners, 69,000. Yeah, 69, a... The perfect amount. <laughs> Gotta keep it balanced. No. <laughs> um, but I guess a great place to start is, um, when did you, as an individual, start making music? And then how did the band all come together to start making music as the Sonderbombs? Yeah. I started playing ukulele when I was in high school, but I was mostly just like learning covers and stuff and still trying to figure out how to like actually play the instrument. So I didn't start writing songs until me and Jimmy started the Thunderbombs. I had like maybe two or three songs uh, before me and Jimmy ever jammed and then we worked on them together and they became Thunderbomb songs. So I start this is this band is like my first project. <laughs> um, my first my first love, my first and only love currently. After Jimmy was in the band for a while, we became a full band. We had our old bassist and drummer, and then now our lineup is Cappy and Jer and me and Jimmy, and yeah. <laughs> I don't honestly know how all of us came together. I think it was just through music. Like, we met Jer through like the Philly network, basically, because mm-hmm. they booked our first Philly show on our first tour ever. <laughs> and then Cappy, we just met through the local scene, because uh, his band, The Grievance Club, we played a couple shows with them and that's how we met him. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome, yeah. The Philly scene continues to churn out like really great bands who like- Every year. Yeah. <laughs> Our guest last week, um, Harmony Woods, is um, primarily Philly-based, right, Gary? Yes. Yeah, so every time we have a Philly band on, we're like, wow, the scene there is popping. What's it like? Yeah, it's amazing. Definitely. And Willow, when you were a teen, what bands did you go crazy over? Because we'd like to know this, because it might influence the band or not. Oh God, I'm so embarrassed. The band that I probably went the craziest over, and if we're, and I'm, I guess I'm thinking in terms of like going to shows and just being like an absolute psycho over the band. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, I would say. <laughs> I'm gonna like hate myself for telling you this later, but it was never shut never. Yeah. Yes. So when I was in high school, a friend of mine um, won Never Shout Never tickets on the radio. Like his his mom won them, <laughs> and so we went, and it was at the House of the Blues in Cleveland. And there was just there's a somebody got a photo of me because I was crowd surfing. Awesome. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was crowd surfing. I lost my phone that night and I didn't have a phone for like a month because I lost it in the pit. But Aww. I was crowd surfing and then when I got to the front and the security guards were, you know, like pulling me over the barricade, uh, Christopher Drew walked over and grabbed my hand and pulled me out of the pit, which was 
really nice and somebody got a photo of that exact moment Whoa. where he grabbed my hand and yeah it's it seems like it would be a really cool moment to capture except for the fact that i look like a feral beast because <laughs> i'm blurry my mouth is like hanging open and i have just like this crazed look in my eye as i'm grabbing <laughs> christopher drew's hand with like both of my arms like holding on for dear life oh uh, it's like a, when a photo of like a cryptid <laughs> Like a big, yeah. It was just, yeah, it was really, it was, well, it was wild. I mean, it at least exists, though. I, I know it's probably, I'm sure over the years it'll get less embarrassing, more like, that's cool that that memory got captured. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I should try to find the, the, the picture. It's really, really funny. Is um, Never Shop Never still making music or no? I don't, I don't think so, but I'm not sure. So that's the thing is I have no fucking idea because I stopped like listening to them before I even started playing ukulele. So like I completely forgot about them and it actually it wasn't until maybe like a year or two ago uh, James Kassar uh, compared us to Never Shop Never and I was like holy shit I used to be obsessed with that band and I didn't even think about it until after I started playing ukulele. Like that's weird. I wonder if it subconsciously influenced me. I hope not. I think so. And I mean it in the most loving way possible. As soon as you okay. said never shot, never, I was like, oh, this makes sense. Absolutely. I mean that in like the most lovingest way possible. Um, I looked it up online though, and it says it, it looks like Christopher Drew is trying to make a solo acoustic album for um, like sometime this year. There was a never shot, never album released last year. Okay. It oh says God. in early 2021, he um, was talking about the new project, um, but then the posts have been deleted or disappeared. Oh. So it's unclear about this solo effort. Uh, well, hopefully it remains unclear because I have no interest in listening to it. <laughs> Would you ever listen to that 2020 Never Shout Never album? Um, Maybe if somebody had like a knife to my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, no, you know, it's just, it's just when I think back about, and I, I don't know, um, I, I don't know, but like when I, when I think back about a lot of the music that I listened to when I was really young, especially grown up as like a little, like, you know, as a girl, like, yes, yeah. never shot, never like, so like those lyrics were so misogynistic and fucked mm -hmm. up. And like, I was just dumping that shit into my brain and like, yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't have the fondest memories except for that one really funny crazy moment <laughs> where I like almost tore his arm off. Yeah, <laughs> I never listened to them, but I assume from my perspective because I was like adjacent to the I would listen to pretty much every band like surrounding that band besides that band for some reason they just never like entered my ears. But I always assumed they were like a softer version of like Pierce the Veil and Sleeping of Sirens. They are more like sweeter version of like, but I remember too being really into like pop punk of that era, you know, like the 20, 2009 to like 20. Oh my God. 13 yeah. era. Super, super misogynistic. Now, once you listen back as an adult, I'm just like, these guys got some stuff they got to talk about in therapy and maybe not put it on an album and make money yeah. off. <laughs> it's like it's like these guys are down bad and it's like somebody really 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 hurt their feelings but like 
such an angry look. And then like as a but as a teen girl, you listen to it and you're like, how could somebody hurt him like that? What a bitch. You know, his hair and his like super skinny yeah. tight jeans. Like how who could hurt him? Mm-hmm. And it falls back into the whole, I'm not like other girls. I would never. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I we I think we all fall into the trap. Like, you know, as well, adults now we're like, yeah. Literally like marketed to us. How, like, oh, yeah. how are we supposed to distinguish from reality? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, like the Warp Tour thing. It's all weird old dudes, but they're m- the music's marketed towards what 13, 14 year old girls. Yeah. Well, the old dudes in the sense that they are way too old for you know yeah. a 12, 13, 14 year old to be lusting after yeah. but it happens i mean it happens still today i watch tv and even though i'm 23 i'll be like instead of the 23 year old characters i'll be like dang that 50 year old looks hot and then i'll be like what's wrong with me stop get get past this in your life <laughs> but it's the way it's marketed because the 23 year olds are seen as goofy and oh you know man child and then the guy with the job and this and then that who's suave it's like oh why does he gotta be 50 why can't we have a balance Come right on. at least somebody who's like 30 you know i i can i can swing 30 maybe i'm sure there's somebody out there 30 that has their shit to- i don't know anybody personally but i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know what i mean like it's like media is weird speaking of some more positive experiences <laughs> um <laughs> what were some of the first venues and places you played at where you felt really comfortable and really like invigorated and excited and then who were some of the first people you were playing alongside with who made you feel really comfortable and inspired as a musician like what do you remember some of the first times you were on stage where you felt like this is where i belong yeah i do you know it's funny i was actually like scrolling through my instagram like from a couple years ago and there was this uh, old house venue that one of our friends used to run um, over like on the east side of Cleveland. And when we, when me and Jimmy were first starting out, I think we were only like, I think we were still a two piece, but we might've had Jake in the band who is like our original bassist. He might've been in the band at this point, but we would have, or they would throw house shows there and like parties. And sometimes random bands would just like play. And, um, but anyway, I found a picture on my Instagram a couple days ago of me playing a show uh, at that house. And I don't know, it really like threw me back because I was just thinking about like the first shows that we ever played and how exciting and like nerve wracking it was, but also how like comfortable I felt just being at like a party with all my friends and being able to like play music. So that's one of them, but this picture, it's, it's pretty cute. I'm like, I'm, I'm like covered in sweat and I don't have pants on. And I guess it was because I got my period like through the, in the middle of the set or something. And so I was just like, or maybe I got it earlier that day. Either way, I took my pants off in the middle of the set because my cramps were so bad that I was like, fuck this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I was just playing a set in my like shirt and in my underwear. And I was like, well, that's that's a cool little punk rock thing that I did. Absolutely. Like, little baby. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I would say that and like like those house shows. Um, and then, you know, May Halls, of course. May Halls is in Cleveland. 
Um, well, it's in Lakewood technically, but it's just a really cool local venue. And that's where we met most of our friends in the industry and in the music scene. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. May Hall, is it still doing good, you know, with the pandemic and stuff? Um, yeah. Uh, I good, 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 good. Yeah. They did like a GoFundMe a couple, like maybe like six months ago or something like that. And they wanted, they needed to raise like, I think they needed to raise like 10 grand or maybe 15 grand. And within a day they raised like 30 grand. So like, I think they're fine um, <laughs> uh, as far as like venues go. I know they're holding like a lot of like private events and stuff too, that you can like rent out rooms and stuff. So they're trying to like be as careful socially distance as possible but it's weird because ohio doesn't um our governor like literally hasn't done anything to help the pandemic at all so like yeah. never really closed down for us oh interesting so a lot of like bars and venues had to like remain open because it's like if well if they can make money they want to so they don't have to shut down so it just puts like all these owners in like a really I don't know. I just, I, I feel bad when I think of venues that have to be open during this. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think some of the Southern states too, um, are open. Like they never like force any shutdowns of that nature. And so some people are all like, yeah, things are open. It's kind of weird. Like, you know, we're a mask and stuff, but like, yeah, this never closed. It's definitely weird because here in California, I mean, things were like, the first week of shutdowns was very like Armageddon. Like there, when like we couldn't find toilet paper for like almost a month. Oh my god! Really I remember, I remember yeah. like all that shit. I remember being, um, I was at work and it was like right before the pandemic. And me and Jimmy, we like we have an apartment together in Cleveland. And I was at work and I called him in the middle of the shift because I was working at this record store and some lady came in and was like, there's no toilet paper at the store. And I like <laughs> remembered that we had like one roll at home. Yeah. yeah. I, I like told my boss I had to call Jimmy. I was like, Jimmy, you have to get your ass up to the store right now and buy some mm -hmm. fucking toilet paper because we're not going to be able to wipe our asses. <laughs> like, get up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a panic. It was, and who knew how, how weird. I mean... So, <laughs> I've also been watching 90 Day Fiance. Yes, I'm a huge 90 Day Fiance stan, yeah. Oh my god, really? Mm -hmm. Okay, we, we'll have to talk about that more. Yes. <laughs> but, so you know how they did the like, 90 days in quarantine, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And fucking, uh, what is his, what's his name? Colt? Oh god, yeah, Colt, <laughs> oof. Like, and, and Colt and Debbie, they're just like, they're like, yeah, we've bought like all this toilet paper. And it's just so funny. To, I had to stop watching it because I was like, I can't like live through this again. It didn't even happen a year ago. Like I mm -hmm. can't, I can't watch this. But it was interesting for like the first half hour to just see like, oh my God. Yeah. Like we thought we were all going to run out of toilet paper. Like we all thought it was going to be like absolute fucking chaos. And it was, but like in a different way. Yeah. Definitely. Do you have a favorite couple from 90 Day Fiance? And like a least favorite couple? Well, I mean, the thing is, I don't really think any of them should be together. Um, <laughs> they're all terrible for each other. Every single fucking couple. There's not one exception. Um, but I don't know. I, I, um, what the fuck was his name? The, the 
fucking creepy ass dude who like marries the 19 year old girl. The guy who is, are you talking about the guy? There's a bunch of guys like that, but the guy who, he's from an older season. I think his name is Mark or something. Is he the one who, he's obsessed with Filipino women. So he marries like a 24 year old Filipino woman. And then his daughter is also like 25 year old, like half half Filipino woman. And his daughter's all like, it's creepy how you fetishize um, women who look like me. And then he's like, but that's just like my type. And she's like, you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the one I hate the most. Um, I want to, I, I hate him so much. Um, and just like that, well, that, that season was wild. Mm-hmm. That was such an early season too. And so like, I forget cause they weren't, they never continued on. There's a lot of couples who like are just one season and they don't continue on like with the I end of it. Know. And there's all those offshoot shows of like the 90 yeah. days, 90 days, like, the other way, like there's so many different versions and mm-hmm. yeah, that, that couple was only on that one season. I think the one couple though I do consider an exception is there's, and it, like at first I was like, hmm, but it's so this couple that met on like basically TikTok or it was musically at the time and they duetted each other. It's the British guy who I think like he, um, he can't come to America cause he got in a bar fight a couple years, like, like almost 10 years back and like it's still on his record. Um, and he's like, uh, he's British and he's the beard. And then it's like this like single mom in Arizona and she has like two kids and they don't, it's like, they really do care about each other. It's so sad, but like, uh, okay. They're the only two that are like, you know, like in their thirties, like established, know what they want, actually care about each other and just accidentally ended up like in a relationship that like is pretty difficult because he can't come to the States. She's not sure she wants to move all the, oh, she can't move to Britain because the father of her daughters, you know, has joint custody and. Oh my yeah. God. What's I know. Thing? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's cute because they met on like TikTok. What? It's cute because they met on like TikTok or I think it was Musical.ly at the time and like they duet love songs to is each this, other and that's how they met. Is this in like the most recent season? No, this is probably, it's uh, a couple seasons after that Mark dude. Um, maybe like 2018, 2017. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can't get enough of that garbage. Me too. I stopped watching this most recent season though because it felt like it was the same exact couples. Because it was like, it was basically all like uh, American dudes who like lived in rural areas and then like a Russian or Ukrainian like girl who was like I want diamonds and they're like I don't have that kind of money and she's like well you said and they're like well I lied and now they're like stuck these women like in like Louisiana or rural Washington and they're like yeah why do all of the men tell everybody that they're rich and then people are like these bitches and it's like well actually uh, like these women come here and they're like they expect they're told you know they're trying to get out of a situation obviously and then a lot of them end up going back because they're like it was actually better for me in ukraine or russia or whatever i actually made more money and had more friends than like you keeping me here i feel like that happens to a lot of the people who come over and they realize that like america's not like all new york city like glitz and glamour they're like it's not like the movies at all they're like wow i was doing better in my other country yeah no i mean like i think the perception that other countries have of america is either like 
it's really great or it's absolute shit. And like, yeah. it's definitely the latter most of the time. Like it's definitely absolute shit most of the time. Yeah, I think it depends. I think a lot of Western European countries like France, Britain, maybe like Scandinavia probably know like, oh, you know, like I'd rather stay here versus I feel like maybe Eastern Europeans and people from like, um, Africa and Asia and like South America might still like only see it depicted in like movies and like glitzy glamoury media and be like wow and then they come here and they're like holy shit like <laughs> like this is not it's what nightmare this- town it's well, nightmare town. yeah it's country it's just a giant country and it's all a nightmare yeah like I remember one girl from like she literally lived in like the jungle in the Amazon and when she moved to Kentucky, she was like, I actually liked living in the jungle better. She's like, I actually had a sense of community. She's like, I don't. Yeah, what? She's, yeah, she's like, she's like, you would think I would not what? like it. I, you'd think you I'd be Kentucky? Yeah. yeah, they lived in like a one room apartment. And she was like, I'm going back to Brazil. Can't, can't say I'm it sorry, but who would not take like South America over Kentucky? Any day. Yeah, well, she didn't know. She had no idea. She like, you know, well, no, no, know. of yeah, course, yeah. of course. I'm just, I guess I'm just, I, I'm just not surprised that she hated it because that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the consensus of a lot of the couples that when they come here, I mean, there was a dude from Jamaica and he was like, oh, you know, I'm excited. You know, he's like, I see a lot of like, you know, the beautiful houses and stuff. And he's like, this home is beautiful that like my fiance and I live in with. But he's like, I have no sense of community. He's like, I used to be able to walk to the barbershop, walk to the beach, walk to have a drink with my friends. He said, we live in like the suburbs an hour from the city. He's like, I'm the only like black guy here. He's like, I'm so depressed. He's like, I have no friends. He's like, I only hang out with her. And that's why the relationship dissolved. Well, and that's like one of the only, or, or not one of the only, like, oh my God. That's one of the many things that I hate about like the way that these couples, like the way that like the, uh, like the American people mm-hmm. don't prepare any of their like foreign fiancés for how fucked up and like racist America is. They don't give them any kind of preparation. They just like their partners into the fire. And I just like, it's really, it's irresponsible and fucked up. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad we, I know this is a fun discussion though. I don't meet a lot of people who watch the show. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people will watch it like for a week and then they'll forget about it. But I'm glad, I'm glad that I got to have my opinions off my chest. Yeah, no, I'm obsessed with 90 Day Fiance. It's great. (laughs) I love reality TV. I love people watching and Yeah. Reality TV is great. I don't like people who are like, I'm so above that. I'm like, you don't want to just have a little, a little taste of. Yeah. Why don't you just shut yeah. your brain off and look at this horrible garbage for a second? Yeah. Yeah. I find reality shows to be the best thing just to put on while you play like a game or something because it's just yeah, there. Like... Yeah. yeah. And people are like, it's scripted. It's fake. It's like so. It's like they're still saying it. It's still Although it's definitely not. I mean, there's yeah. I, there are for sure moments where um like they'll edit stuff to make it seem mm-hmm. a little weird or you know what I mean, make stuff seem more um antagonistic than it really yeah. is. They'll add like music to make it sound more dramatic. But like for the most part, I don't think um that shit is scripted because yeah. people in the show say a lot of like ridiculous shit <laughs> oh absolutely i think too there are storyline readers who prompt they'll say like hey 
Amy ask Billy this, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that prompts arguments, and that definitely prompts a lot more drama that would occur if there were no cameras and this and that. But oh, I, yeah. but like, I think a lot of the times, like, people just really are like, will snap like that, especially in the context of like Nine Day Fiance. I think of how stressful that circumstance is, even if you were a couple who is right for each other respectful this and that even that would show probably some ugliness a little bit well i mean because there's no room for good communication when camera right like like how how are you gonna like i i mean i see a lot of those couples like tell each other like really important information on camera and they're like taking a bit it's like why did you choose now like don't you guys like go to sleep together every night like you literally held it in till this moment like what the fuck I think it's because, like, uh, like they, they'll have, like, 10 days together and they'll probably be doing fine. And, and then when the cameras come around, then they're like, okay, now it's time for you to drop the bombshell. Versus in every a normal relationship, you'd probably ease into that rather than being like, hi, I withheld this information f- from me from 10 days because they told me that I, I should say it when they're filming. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> Care to talk about your favorite Gig memory? <laughs> the, yeah. the, perf- the best transition. It was a wedding for 90 Day Fiance. No, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> no, that is the dream gig, though. That's what I want. You hear that, TLC? Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, I'm trying to think. Favorite gig memory. I mean, <sighs> that's so tricky. I, I think the first one that pops to mind um, was this gig that we played in New Jersey in Asbury Park um, at House of Independence. And it's like just a really cool venue. It had like a really big stage. And I just remember like our vibe as a band being like perfect that night. That was when we were on the Just Friends tour. And I think that was just like, me and Cappy were just like jumping around and like dancing together and shaking our asses. And yeah. Yeah, that's that's the good stuff. That's the stuff I live for. But yeah, I would say that's that's the, that's my the first one that pops to head, to, into my mind. <laughs> awesome. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break and then be back with more conversation with Willow of the Sonderbombs. On despair. On the air. And that was our first half of the interview with the Sonderbombs. We are having an absolute blast, but we're going to listen to three funky tunes before we get back to it. The first of which is a song Boardwalk by Hit Like a Girl. Yes. And we got a song called You Know by Hori Tori. Off their Not Your Kind EP. And they just dropped a brand new music video for you now. And it's like a it's a gay little roller skate story. Ooh. Yeah, the lens. colors are nice. They got good lighting. It's really cool. You should just check it out. Like my fan fictions. Ooh. Ooh. Uh-oh! You freaking moron! You just got beat! And then we got a track by Bitch Seat with two eyes. The song entitled Anti-Depressed. Also featuring roller skates in their music video. <gasps> it's a theme. Yeah. I think 2020 was the year of roller skating. People got really into it. 
Yeah. People said, well, if I can't do much, I might as well buy some skates. And, you know, I wonder how many people, though, you know, got the skates, ordered them, used them once. Where, like, my knees and ankles are too weak for this, and now they're collecting dust from the closet. Mm. Give them to me. If you're size 13 feet. I think roller skates should be able to be removable. Those cute ones everybody buys, you should be able to remove the skate. And then you can walk around in them. So then, in case you're like, "Mm, this isn't for me, you can still at least get a nice pair of shoes out of it. Yeah. Innovations. Innovations. Hire Angie. Hire me, I'm an inventor. And hire me. Just hire me. Please. Uh, that classic saying, fuck you, pay me. Yes. Anyways, thank you for listening, and we'll be back in a gif. On BFF.FM.
just to find a rhyme Thinking about antidepressants Friends are doing it. All your 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 friends are doing it. Best frequencies forever. And we are back. Welcome back to the Usman and Baby Girl Lisa Minute. <laughs> no. Oh, I love the song he made for her. I'll be there for you, he says. <laughs> But anyway, no, those aren't our guests this week. Our guest is the fabulous Willow from the Sonderbombs. Oh, fabulous. Thank you. You're welcome. And I, <laughs> I think a great place to jump back in would be, can you talk to us about the development process for your recent record, Clothbound, that came out back in January? Yeah, development process. Well, it was a long process, that's for sure. Um, and I guess in the grand scheme of things, it, it, it wasn't that long, but it, it felt like it took forever. Um, the record, we started writing for it um, in like 2019, in the summer of 2019. And then um, we were supposed to record in April of 2020 last year, but it got pushed back like six weeks. So um, yeah, we didn't end up getting to record until like June, like late May, early June. Okay. Um, yeah, and we recorded it at Headroom uh, in Philly, which was really fucking cool. 
it kind of felt like a movie the whole time it was happening. The whole time we were making the record, I was like, I can't believe that I'm here right now making this record with my best friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this record, it's it, Clothbound was definitely different in the way that we wrote it um, than MFR because I was I was a lot more involved in like the writing process for MFR. Um, I kind of just had like the bones of the songs and then everybody just added their part and that was it. Um, but, and I, and I didn't really care. <laughs> like it was, I don't know. I was, I was more intentional, I think, in how I wanted to approach all the different elements of this record, you know, as opposed to MFR where I slept through most of the recording. <laughs> no, that's awesome though. I, uh, we like to ask about kind of the develop because we do not work in the like industry of that. So I have, to me, it just seems like magic when an album comes out. It feels like magic making one. It yes. really does. Getting to be in the studio for like two weeks with my bandmates and making that record was definitely the best thing that happened to me last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the only good things that happened to me. <laughs> um, so I'm very grateful for that time that we got to like escape in our music, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And from the album, there's a song called Crying is Cool. Yes. What's the coolest thing about crying? And what was it like, like filming the music video for it? Cause it looked like you had a fun time. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, first, um, I would say the coolest thing about crying is not feeling like you have to cry afterwards. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, I guess like when your body holds stress like that, you like, li- you literally have to release it to feel better. So mm-hmm. like, I guess like running is really good for that. And like, I don't know, but crying is what works for me because I don't, I'm not um, a very, I don't, I don't work out like that, but um, I cry like that. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think just feeling like you don't have to cry after. I love yeah. crying like three times a day. I'm not even going to lie. Like I'll cry over anything, but I don't feel bad about that. You know? Yeah. There is something really cathartic. I think that's where the word even stems from cathartic about after a really good sob session, like right after you don't feel the best because perhaps you're like you're swollen in the face and your eyes are puffy, a little dehydrated, a little dehydrated, a little raw skin on the nose. But after you kind of like recovered, maybe like the day after you take a big fat sleep, then you wake up and you're like, okay, like oh, that was such a release. Oh my god, know? yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like nobody cries for no reason, and that's the thing. No. I think that. Um, cause I've, I've had depression like my, pretty much my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember a time where I wasn't depressed. Like I, when I think back to my childhood, even like I was a depressed little kid too. Yeah. I didn't know it yet. But so like when I would cry, I used to just like, cause I would cry for no reason. But the thing is, is like, I would tell myself that's why I was crying. Oh, you're crying for no reason. There's no reason to cry. Why are you upset? Mm-hmm. But there's so many reasons to cry all the fucking time. Existing is a nightmare. Yeah. Um, living in this world is a nightmare, in particularly this country. And yeah, so I don't I don't feel bad because even if my mind doesn't know why, my body's probably got a good reason for why, you know, they gotta cry. So absolutely I'm trust it. <laughs> I felt that way as a kid too, because people would always be like, why are you so sad all the time? Why are you so sad? You're like eight years old. Why are you sad? And 
of course, you can always say somebody's got it worse. You know, somebody's going through way. There's always going to be somebody going through way, way, way worse than you. But just the way we're set up, just because we're not getting attacked by lions and tigers anymore, stress manifests then in a different way. Before, people probably would cry all the time because they're like, "I'm afraid of running out of food. I'm afraid of a tiger attacking me in this on my sleep." I'm afraid of a big windstorm coming down and blowing down on the crops. But now it's like we still I think we're just designed to hold stress and this and that. And the environments we tend to create for ourselves are not the most beneficial to mental health. Oh, yeah. sometimes we create the exact op- environment of what we need. Like in America in particular, they're like, let's do nuclear families. And it's like, don't you realize that's one of the worst things for like social development, avoiding abuse, community curation. Like I, I, I talk about it in that sense because I'm a psychology graduate student, but- Oh, really? I, yeah, time and time again, the w- number one buffer for um, stigmas, um, like uh, poor mental health, et cetera, et cetera, is social support. And what do you lack in a nuclear family? Outside social support. Yeah, so. especially if there's like, you know, the head of the house is like, mm-hmm. yeah, like just that idea that there's like a matriarch or patriarch of like a family is mm-hmm. really scary. You know, it, it sets up this like one person is right above everybody else. Yeah. And that's a toxic way to approach raising children or just living. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever watched the movie, the witch, um, oh, yeah. I feel like it's underappreciated because it kind of like, I think all the characters are supposed to represent a sin because it's the point. It's like the, it's like the go between between like Chris, like anyway. But for me, it's more of like the dangers of like how America started being way more singular nuclear family units yeah. that are super isolated by space and how that tears families apart from their community. And because it falls back on like pride and this and that, and it's like, they don't it's a lot of the times they're like they went off by themselves because they wanted to do their own thing but then they don't realize that like they felt judged by the community but then you get judged by your own family and then you have nobody rely on versus like if you were at least in the community you could find other like community members who believed in like um like the non-majority opinion and kind of collaborate with them versus now it's like there's truly nobody and you're just like a black sheep and like your family of like I don't know probably like five back then oh my god wow that's that's heavy (laughs) I know I didn't mean for it to go in that direction I was just thinking about that movie last night and I was like dang I love it that's so cool so so you're um you said you're a psychology grad student yeah, I do psychological research. I do community psychology, so that's kind of what my mind pivots to a lot of the time. So cool. Thank you. Thank wow. you. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> but also super interesting, I was curious what inspires your lyricism as I think um, the music you produce as the Sonderbombs is definitely like... I feel like sometimes there's two types of bands. There's bands who I'll be like, I love this band, they're amazing. And then it'll take 20 times before I realize what they're saying in a song. And I'll be like, oh, interesting. Versus I could listen to the first 30 seconds. There's like such a powerhouse lyric that I'm like, holy shit, that's great. You know, so, and I think you are the latter in terms of like some of your lyrics pack a punch that's so like, 
how do you develop lyrics and like you know what's kind of your process with lyricism um so like lyrics are kind of a tricky thing for me honestly i am pretty insecure about my lyricism <laughs> um there's there's a couple of songs that i'm like super super proud of but for the most part i tend to feel like i'm stumbling around in the dark um so i guess like when i write a song the first thing that i come up with is typically a vocal melody i like hear little vocal melodies in my head every now and then and then i'll pick up an instrument and try to like find chords that go with the melody that's in my head um and then lyrics come from there and usually it's just whatever i can think of that fits in the space but i guess it it always i don't know it's it's like it's a, it's a subconscious thing for me i don't like when i look back at a song and i like think about the lyrics i don't re really remember writing my lyrics if that makes sense like i don't like i put my feeling into it but I don't like sit down and like write them down and like, you know, toil over them and like try to mm. make them perfect. I, I don't put that much effort into them. I do put intention and like love and feeling into them, but I don't put effort. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I understand what you mean. Yeah. You're not yeah. like, you're not um, like going in with a fine tooth comb like people do for like, you know, you're more like, I have intention, I'm getting it out there on the page. I'm, you know, versus like some, but that's like some people too, you can find or you can get lost in details really easily. And sometimes it's better to be like, I'm gonna let this live as it is than to stress over what a word choice. Exactly. And I think like with our earlier stuff, I really wanted um, my lyrics to be, I don't know, like I, I, I had a lot of attitude in our earlier work, you know, and I think I still have an attitude, obviously. I have, I have a bad fucking attitude, but um, it's what makes me a cool rock star. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, music should have an attitude. Yes, exactly. I'm allowed to have an attitude. Um, but I think, like, the way that I approached lyrics, at least for Clothbound, um, it was less about trying to like prove something or like show off or rub it in somebody's face. Like it was less about that um, and more just about how I was really feeling and how thoughts were kind of flowing through my head as they were happening and how I was processing the stuff that the songs are about. So um, it felt more natural writing that way than it ever, it ever did. And I love that when I listen to the record, I love that it, it feels honest to me if that makes sense no absolutely and willow we know it's been a long time since shows and there is a lot of streaming but which song from your repertoire is your favorite to perform oh wow okay um i think it's definitely gonna be from Clothbound. honestly swing on sight is a fucking blast to play so is Papillon and Vegas. Those are those are like my top three to play. Those are the most fun for me to play. Probably because those are the easiest for me to play and then I can thrash around and not have to worry about like <laughs> if I'm gonna mess the chord up because I know that I can handle it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, those, those ones are really fun. I think we all get super hyped when we practice those ones too. Awesome. Yeah. 
And then, are there any songs you've yet to cover that you're desperately wanting to? Well, yeah, um, there's a lot of songs. I actually, I committed to do a, a cover comp for a band, but honestly, I, you know, I was about to tell you about it, but then I, I realized that I probably shouldn't because I don't know if it's announced yet. Okay, that's so, okay. So I'll think of something else really quick <laughs> that I can share with you. I, what I've always wanted to do, which I, I feel like I'm going to sound like a psycho when I say it, but like I have always wanted to do like a really good full band cover of Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. But like, how does somebody even take that on? Like that song is perfect and it's super intimidating. Um, but that would be a really fun one to try to learn to play live, incorporate it into sets or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's one song I really want to cover, but I just, I can't even begin to figure out how we would tackle that. Cause that song is just so big in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I think y'all would be really good at uh, covering Rhiannon. <gasps> oh, God, that one's so good. Mm-hmm. I think that would, I think that would sound really good with your sound. Thank you. Thank you no, so much. of course. I was thinking, because you're like, I don't know, Dreams is such a... I'm like, maybe Rhiannon would be um, one that's a little more... It's kind of... I feel like you could easily, easily cover that. I could wail a little bit more with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you ever heard the live version of it, they take it more in, like, a harder direction than what's on the recording. Oh, really? I've never, you know, I've honestly never looked up live videos of Fleetwood Mac, but I guess that's what I'm going to do with the rest of my evening. So yes, thank you. I think it's like a 75 version. Or I just remember like finding on Tumblr or something a while back being like, okay, this is really good. Okay. Yeah, no, I definitely need to do that. Also real quick. Sorry. Something just popped into my head that, um, about 90 day fiance that I think is really important. Yes, 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 yes. Apparently there is like, uh, there's a psychiatrist on YouTube that watches 90 Day Fiance and like analyzes it from like <gasps> a mental professional perspective. That's so cool. Yeah, and I will find it and I'll like DM the link to you. Please because do, because I would yeah. love, to, okay, because my, my best friend who watches it also, he is, um, he's in medical school um, and he's not really sure exactly what area of medicine he wants to go into. Um, but sometimes he's like, hey, maybe he's psychiatrist. Like, so we would definitely love to watch those together. <laughs> Oh awesome. my god! Yeah, I'll find it. I'll find it, and I'll because I've been really meaning to watch them too. So now I have a reason to actually go look for it. Yes, thank you, thank you. I would super appreciate that. Cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of ninety-eight Beyonce and JK, JK, <laughs> are there any local artists or artists you play alongside with or just enjoy who you like our listener to know about? Um. Well, you've been listening uh, to during quarantine. Been listening to a lot of really good music through quarantine. Um, there's definitely been some really good local stuff to come out. Um, uh, have you heard of Bitch Seat? Yes. yes. Wait, no, Bitch Seat was on the show, right? No. No. no Never mind. I'm thinking of another podcast that they were on. Oh my god. <laughs> So sorry, but yeah, maybe maybe for summer. Huh? Interested, <laughs> sending out some feelers. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, you definitely should because they're just they're the sweetest people ever. Um, I'm super grateful that we get to um, like be in the same local scene as them, mm. <laughs> uh, and they've got some cool stuff that they've uh, dropped. Like they had a music video and an EP and everything, and. Um, 
So yeah, definitely bitch seat. And that's bitch seat with two eyes. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Two eyes. Bitch seat. Like the middle seat in the back seat of the car. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. true. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, they rule. Awesome. Anybody else you've been really jamming out to during quarantine? Or like, um, I know you all did a split with Snarls um, in early 2020-ish. Um, and just anybody you've been really missing playing with or just people you've been listening to, you found who are new, you're like, ah, oh, when shows come back together, maybe we could play together. Oh my gosh, there's like, honestly, it's so funny that you say that because like I've been thinking about, it, I'm like, wow, when shows come back, like, there's been so much good music that we've just, that all of us, like everybody in the band has discovered separately and like shared with each other. And it's like, I gotta make like a fucking spreadsheet of all the bands that I mm-hmm. wanted to work with because like, there's been so much good music. Um, but most recently, I fa- uh, this record came out last week and I think it, I think it's a father-daughter band um, uh, or artist. Um, her name's Esther Rose. Yes. yes. That record. Yeah. The one that, that record goes. Like, mm-hmm. I it, it came out what like, like last Friday, and I have listened to it every day, like on loop. So <laughs> I've been obsessed with that record. Um, also, the newest Japanese breakfast song. I like yes. can't stop. Too, that's also just like on loop i'm like I, i'm i'm the kind of um listener a music listener that just listens to the same thing like on repeat forever until i get sick of it and then i move on to the next thing and repeat that forever so <laughs> yeah um awesome. yeah there's been there's just a bunch of good music coming out so there really is yeah it's awesome you mentioned it's a rose because her music is not that i mean it's like underrated in our scene and like more people gotta do it you gotta hear the i know it's so good that record is beautiful her voice sounds like it sounds like i don't know like honey butter or something like that it really does for sure for sure yeah and willow what's something you could change about your local music scene once the scene is kind of back in person again, what's something maybe you're like, I wish this will go away once we're back in person or anything really. I wish there is less like separation between genres. Mm-hmm. Cleveland's a little, um, I mean, there's a lot of bands that kind of like bend genres and stuff. And like, what the fuck even is a genre, right? It's just a label. Yeah. But like, there's like a very specific like, metalcore scene and everybody in the metalcore scene like stays in the metalcore scene you know what i mean and then there's like like a folky americana scene and everybody there like kind of stays over there and i just i wish everybody would kind of blend together and support each other more as a city um but it's i mean it's hard to like get all these people together in one room (laughs) because i don't know um i think i think most but I think that's a problem within most music scenes, you know, is like the clickiness. Yeah, definitely. I know it's an issue even here in LA of like, you know, it's eventually things get so saturated with only the same friends playing shows with each other. We've talked about it over and over about how like that's problematic even from like a business approach because it's like then you're only playing to the same people and you're not getting a new people to like who 
will like your record, buy it, you know, support exactly. you. Yeah. 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 Versus multi-genre shows, you know, somebody could go in for one band and then they go out with merch from a different because they're like, wow, I love this. I didn't think I would like it, but I do, you know, give things a chance. Yeah. I mean, multi-genre shows should happen more often as well as multi-genre tour packages. Mm-hmm. I am like so sick of just like the same, like four, like just whiny white boy bands complain about their girlfriends on tour together. Like, yeah. Always. And they all just like tour together over and over and over again. Like yeah. it's boring. So more multi-genre tour packages as well, please. <laughs> yeah. And that way that too affects the crowds. And I would love the first crowds. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And then I never thought before quarantine I would ask this question, but it's really become like so salient. Um, A lot of artists during this time have really taken advantage of TikTok in promoting their music. Um, We have friends from small local bands who are absolutely blowing up on there right now. And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing to like get so much attention on the algorithm, but I guess. And we've even had bands on the show who we found for TikTok who are making music it's really insane and um we know you're on there and we were just um curious about your experiences like using the platform do you personally think it's like a really great tool for music discovery or is it more just like of another way to be goofy or is it something that like now is kind of expected to be used kind of like instagram and twitter like it's kind of like i better be on here like what's your kind of take on it so like i i agree with all of the things you said like i think Yes, it is an amazing tool to find new music. I found some really fucking cool music through TikTok. Um, just like, and and I think the the most exciting part about that for me is that like it's the, like a lot of the music that I've found through TikTok is just like random people that like have never made music before. Mm-hmm. You know, like they just fucked around on their laptop and like made a beat and like sang over it and now it's on the radio you know like i love that shit so and i found some really like i said i found some really good artists that way so yeah i think for discovering music it is a really good tool so then you know from a band perspective it's kind of silly to not be on it but at the same time like i fucking hate social media so (laughs) yeah so like I mean, I've I've talked to my bandmates about it multiple times, but like if we ever get to like make enough money where we can, you know, for instance, pay our rent with our music, um, before I pay my rent, I'm gonna try to like find somebody to just like take over my social media account and throw my phone into the river because I don't mm-hmm. want it. Um, and so like, yeah, TikTok has been fun and is like it is goofy and it is a good tool for promoting music and finding music. Um, but also I don't fault anybody that doesn't want to be on it because like I have taken a little bit of a break from it just cause adding another social media in the midst of like the pandemic slash revolution slash recession is like just adding another app on my phone that I have to look at and update. And I'm expected to like, not only update it, but like make it content that people actually give a shit about. It's just, it's too much pressure, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of other musicians feel that way right now. It's like we, I mean, there are some people that, uh, you know, some artists that love that stuff and like really thrive off of 
like what TikTok has to offer. But I personally don't think of myself as a content creator. Like I think of myself as a musician and everything that I do for Instagram or Twitter or whatever is just to like help me yeah. be able to become, or, you know, be a musician. And um, TikTok feels a little bit more involved than those other things. And I think it's pretty intimidating and it, it can be exhausting. But yeah, it's also a good word for it. Cool fucking app. Like there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of cool people making cool art on there. So mm-hmm. it's definitely multifaceted in a way. Exactly. I feel like a critique of like, this is awful, this is the worst, blah, 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 is not helpful as much as like a, there's really, really great. I feel like that's social media as a whole. It's multifaceted. If it's not like an addiction and bad, and oh, if you spend time online a lot, you're you know, feeding into, it's more so... No, and also it's not yeah. our fault. It's marketed to us to make us do that. Like, exactly. it's not our fault that we're, like, addicted to our phones. <laughs> no, and there are things about social media that are great, and there's wit, and there's people who, like, that's kind of their only option for such and such things, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, at the same time, it's, like, the balance of it needs to be discussed more. And not just from, like, a wellness standpoint of, like, I feel like a lot of conversations begin and end with, like, oh, you know, the, the golden number is like an hour only a day. But instead of that, it's like, well, what are you doing in that hour? Or, you know, like, what is it you're doing on there that's like beneficial or harmful? It shouldn't be like just a length of time, which I feel like most like journal, like media is focusing so much on like the length of time rather than what yeah. you're doing. Wait, yeah, what I was going to say, or like, I, it's just, well, you know who, who honestly, I feel like has mastered social media <laughs> in that, like, she just doesn't even use it is like Mitski. Yeah, yeah. Drops yeah. a record and then just like, just drops off the face of the earth. And I, that's what I want. That's what I want my life to be. I want my life to be like that. I want to be able to just release a record and just drop off the face of the earth for two years to write the other one and not have mm-hmm. to worry about social media. Like... That sounds awesome. It does. Hopefully we'll get to that point soon. <laughs> right. Where people will have to constantly brand themselves and then just be like, here's my thing I put out if you'd like to look at it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Separating ourselves from the what we put out. Yeah. Yeah. And is it time? It's time, Gary. It's time. Willow, you ready? For what? It's time to please define your perfect bagel. <gasps> oh. Have you ever been to New York? No. Okay, so New York, there's this bagel place. I think it's called like the Bagel Store. <laughs> like, I love the name. It's good, it cut, they cut right to the chase. They don't- They sure do. You don't wonder what it is. It's the Bagel Store. Anyway, um, they have these rainbow bagels there that, I mean, have you seen those on the internet before? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that that bagel store place is, like, the original rainbow bagel place or whatever. Um, and so the first time that I went to New York, I went there, and that's probably my favorite bagel. They do, like, a funfetti cream cheese with it, too. Ooh. And, um, and that was what I got the first time. The second time I got it, I tried to eat, like, a savory um, cream cheese with it, but, like, the no. rainbow dough is really sweet and like vanilla-y, so it's a little mm. strange. But but yeah, that's my favorite one. Um, and like the dough, because the way that they like, you know, like 
spin the colors together and like wrap it up, the dough like peels apart when it's baked. So like you can peel off sections of specific colors, which if you tear apart your food like an animal like I do, then it's it's the best bagel in the world. Yeah, definitely. I've never had a rainbow bagel, but I know that I watched the British Bake Off and they try to make rainbow bagels and their rainbow bagels look like absolute garbage. It was so embarrassing. They were the holes you could put your fist through it, and then it was like all burnt, so it wasn't even pretty anymore. And they're all like, I don't understand. They're like, it's too hard. It's like the brownie episode. It's like, why did y'all mess up brownies? You know, I need to start watching that show. So many people have recommended it to me, and it seems like a really good time. I love it. I think it's fun. If you enjoy cooking, baking, or even just eating, which most, I assume most people do. (laughs) Yeah. then I think it's a joyous time. It's way less in, it's, I think it's still really intense. A lot of people go, it's so relaxing. It's like, it's not, they're not as mean to each other as they are on um, US competition shows. Right. Um, but it's, I think it's because money's not at stake. It's just title. Oh, really? Yeah, there's no money, which my, I remember when I watch it with people and they're like, there's no money. Like, what are they doing this for? I'm like, just to have fun and bake. Just to to embarrass themselves on TV. Yeah. The thing that, too, is that I feel so bad about, like, is that they do the program on the weekends. And then during the week, they they frame it like, oh, you have time to practice during the week. We let you know what you're going to be baking. And you have time to practice, you know, your cake and this and that. And you're supposed to practice. And they ask, you know, what went wrong during your practice sessions. But to me, that just seems like... Oh, so they have to have their nine to five job during the week and then practice and then on the weekends spend all their time on the competition. It's not like, you know, regular reality American TV where it's like people are actually there and like they're at like a camp for like, you know, a couple weeks. That's weird. Do they just yeah. like, they're just like at home and they drive up on the weekends. Exactly. <laughs> Beyond the Great British Bake Off. What the fuck? That's crazy. Exactly. Versus like, I don't know, I guess my other like, comparison is drag race versus drag race they're competing for a hundred thousand dollars so they can afford yeah. you know to say i'm gonna take i don't know how much it, long it takes to film drag race probably at least like eight weeks ten weeks you know i'll take off that amount of time because it's worth it in order to pretend to expose myself get fans um and then potentially win a hundred grand so well okay have you ever seen are you the one no but it seems really familiar yeah it's literally like it, it's like it's like eight eight couples and they all have to figure out who they're supposed to be coupled with. They all have perfect matches. But like, I always thought that it was such a ripoff that like at the, because um, if they guess all of the couples, like if they all guess their perfect match correctly, then they get to split um, a million dollars. But a million dollars split between like 16 people is like- Not much. Not much. And for how embarrassing these people are on TV, I'm like, (laughs) yeah but I did also I've I've decided that I am going to try to be on a reality show at some point in my life and that um, (laughs) yes cause like so much chaos like I'm gonna go I want to be like one of those iconic like crazy reality tv show stars I was just going to say, I feel like America's Got Talent has ruined a lot of reality competition shows because it became the conglomerate. Because oh, yeah. before that, I remember growing up, there was a reality show called Rock Band, and it wasn't like American Idol or The Voice. It was specifically for bands that were established. 
yeah. to do submission. And then there was also Last Comic Standing, which was specifically only for uh, up emerging comedians and people who wanted to be comedians to do comedy versus now yeah. I feel like America's Got Talent puts comedians, singers, I don't know, um, trapeze Dancers. artists, everybody all smashed together. And it's like, well, how do you compare? I don't watch that show, but how do you compare somebody who like is a gymnastics person to somebody who like sings opera? I, like It's like, it's not even the yeah. same category. <laughs> what is the conversion from yeah. gymnast to like opera singer? <laughs> Because it's always like, well, the Vegas show. Well, um, people who do like spit fire and this and that or who sing really good are always going to be out people who, you know, do less. You know what I mean? I would rather, most people are going to pay to see somebody sing than they are going to be pay to see anything else. Or especially too, like if you have a sob story, then of course you'll be like, yeah, I don't remember on Last Comic Standing anybody ever having a sob story. It was just, and comics are the saddest people on earth. They would always just go up there and shoot their shot. That's true. Comics are very sad people. They really are. So I got an idea for a reality show. Okay. Tell us. So it's, um, it's, it's going to be band swap. So it's like people from different, drastically different bands swap oh. members. And then they have to tour and record an album together. <gasps> that would be so messy. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's not even the same like the same space. It's gonna be all different genres. It's gonna be like a country band, and this pop punk, and this indie, oh and God. this metalcore, or this, like, jazz band. They got slap members. Mind right now, we need to call MTV right yeah. now. We need to set this up. You need to get credit. Um, yeah. Has this existed before? I don't no, know. No, never. Why? How? How? This is this recorded is... proof that yep. this thought just popped into your head. Yes. So nobody can steal it from you, even yes. if they your idea on the podcast. I, uh, Gary of the Spare in the Air, thought of this idea at 4:38 p.m. Pacific on March 30th, 2021. It is uh, a um, homage, though, to wife swap in a way yeah. because it's band member swap, but. God, that would be. But there's a so, challenge. So there's, there's a good. challenge aspect where yeah, you there's have, a challenge aspect. Yeah. You okay. gotta tour and record an album or a single or a yeah, song. Think, yeah, I, like a single. Yeah. Like a single. I think. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah, like a song would be really cool. But like recording or recording, I feel like isn't even gonna be the scariest part. It's the touring together. Yeah. That's like that. That is like in Wife Swap when you know they 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 go to the other people's homes. They're living in their homes like by their family's rule or like the other family's rules you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. like you don't know yeah. how someone's gonna be on the road until you're on the road yeah back. touring etiquette is different <laughs> yeah everyone. definitely yeah that's fucking crazy that's really chaotic i would love to watch it oh my god i'd love to be on it yeah no that guy we gotta get you on it yeah that's my shot okay cool that's your shot and there's gonna be some drama and beef there's gonna be a lot of stuff someone's gonna hit the ukulele the ukulele sucks and you're gonna fight them oh yes my ukulele's gonna like shoot fire and scare the shit out of whoever said that the confessionals alone Oh, oh my god. god. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like marinating in this idea. I'm very excited. It's a billion dollar idea. I know. <laughs> it's more, yeah, for real. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Good job, Gary. <laughs> and as we wrap everything up, this has been a fantastic conversation about music, reality TV shows, and how people are in general. A whole sociology course, a little bit in this episode. I'm loving yeah. it. 
And we got three things to kind of wrap it all up. Um, the first of which is, are you working on any other pro artistic projects you'd like to promote or plug at this time? I am personally not, but um, Jimmy does have his solo project, Jimmy Lo-Fi, and then Cappy's uh, other band, The Grievance Club. And then Jer also has a solo project called Shay, but, and I think, I think they have a, a single out. So yeah, I'm clearly a good friend. I don't even know how much music <laughs> my friends have dropped. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, they might, there's, there might be music on the internet. I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't do anything other than sonder bombs as of right now. So. <laughs> and that's a okay. Yeah. And then. Is there anything coming up with the Sonder Bombs we should know about? What should we be on the lookout for? Are y'all just chilling? What's going on? Oh, no, we're definitely plotting. Um, awesome. Yes, yes, we've been, we like to call it wholesome plotting. Um, so we've been working on some cool stuff and I can't share any details yet. Um, but yeah, just okay. pay attention to our socials, I guess. Um, at, uh, Sonder underscore bombs on both Twitter and Insta, I think. So awesome. Yeah, that was my final question. Is tell us where everybody can find you or everybody oh, can yeah. cloth-bound. Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. We're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, we're on Apple. I don't know. I don't I don't know where else we are. I TikTok. I think you're on Tidal too. I think I clicked on your link train. It said title on there as well. Really? Yeah. Which I found cool. I was like, yeah. Oh. Well shit. I don't even know. <laughs> It's okay. I know how like the dis the what's it called dis um dis Dist what's that called? distribution distribution yes distribution yes exactly yeah. but we had a beyond amazing conversation with you I think we made some pals today um oh, yeah. and we are so excited to see what's coming up in the future we love clothbound we love you we love the Sonder bombs um and yeah thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to come chat with us yeah. oh i love y'all too thank you for having me uh, of course uh, it's an honor <laughs> oh thank you yeah yeah and thank you for hanging out with us on the spare on the air stay tuned for some more tunes and performances by willow of the sonderbombs Thank you as always for listening and we'll be back next week with another episode. Perhaps though we won't talk about reality TV shows but something else equally. We should just make Despair a whole sociology course. This yeah. week's this week's theme was reality TV shows. How do they reveal about humanity? Oh Before we had AMVs. How does the creating AMVs lead to becoming Oh yeah, a we talked we talked about uh, AMVs with Riverbee. Yes. AMV. Talked about memes with okay cool. Trisha Paytas with Trisha Harmony Paytas Woods. Trisha with Harmony Woods. Okay. We have a whole internet sociology theme going on this season. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned <laughs> on Despair. On the air. Goodbye. Bye. And that concludes our interview with the lovely willow from the sonder bombs that was a very very fun interview we've been having some fantastic interviewees lately we've been having a lot of fun yeah we're talking about 90 day fiance we talk about 90 day yeah we talk about 90 day fiance internet personalities we've been talking about all yeah. sorts of stuff in the month of march the month of march has been a uh 
a fun month of interviews. So if March. You... It's April now. Well, yeah, you know what I mean, though. Yeah. Spring, fine. Spring has been fun. It's been fun. March, Marchish. The reality show companies hire me. Hire Willow. Willow hire will Willow. be a great storyline producer. Yeah. Hire Anyways. me for that mil- billion dollar idea. That band swap reality show. Wow, MTV, if you're listening. <laughs> I'll take I say I'll take like a VH1 like three if they have like a like the third low tier of VH1. That was only MTV that had like three. Um. Uh, Anyways, the VH1 though, classics. Remember that? No. <laughs> Anyways, though, as Gary's ego feeds itself and their head grows bigger and bigger and bigger, um, we are not finished with the show. What do we still got going on, Gary? Oh, we got three songs and the performance by Willow. Yes, those three songs are the track added on from the album Sugar Egg by the band Bully. Then we got a pick from Willow from the band Mannequin Pussy, the song Control, a recent single. Yeah. And then we're finishing everything off with a track called Everything or Nothing by the band No Thank You off their album Embroidered Foliage. Yes. And that Mannequin Pussy and Mannequin Pussy has a brand new EP coming out May 21st. Yes, and we have a performance by Willow, the song Papillon. Papillon! Papillon! I cannot speak words. It's my turn to not speak words. Gary doesn't know French, but that's purposeful because weren't the French technically your colonizers? Yes. So Gary is allowed to mispronounce French words because it's an act of resistance. Yeah, I'd be like, (laughs) F you. I do it wrong. Croissant? Say omelette really weird. Omelette? No, that doesn't even... um, Omelette. Omelette? Omelette. Omelette on on laser disc? It's gigantic. She's on Blu-ray? No, she's not on Blu-ray yet. Anyways, thank you for listening. Stay tuned. We still got some show ahead of us. Yes, on BFF.
Wow, Angie, I can't believe that performance blew my mind. I'm bald now. Wow, that's bad for business. You had such luscious hair. <laughs> Rip, but also we got two soft rippers coming up to play us out. They're both picks from the Sonderbombs, the first of which is the song Sophie by Francis Grove. And Forgive Me by Keep For Cheap. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening to the program. Yes, and what is your favorite soup? Let us know. Yeah, it's still, it's, we're coming to a close on soup season, but let us know what your favorite soup was. Yeah, what's your favorite soup, Angie? I like a clam chowder. Some people say it's not a soup because it's a chowder. I think that's bullshit. If you eat it with a spoon, it's a soup. It's soup adjacent. Also, clam chowder in a bread bowl slaps yeah if it can fill up a bowl and like conform to the shape of a bowl and can spill and you can eat it with a spoon it's soup yeah you, i you, mean you still like, slurp it yeah you slurp it slurp slurp like do you consider dennis look blow to big potato soup not a soup just because it has potatoes that you got to chew in it too yeah i got things in it i think it has the same consistency like it's similar yes so let us know your favorite soup Add us on the internet at the spare on the air. Send us an email. Send us a picture of your favorite soup. Just send us a picture. Which favorite soup, Gary? Just a JPEG of a favorite soup. I'd say clam clam chowder. Okay. Like a like a like a chicken pot pie soup where it's like a like a a watery chicken pot pie. That's mm, I don't know about that. With dumplings, chicken dumpling soup. Well, watery sounds like it's bad. No, not watery, soupy. It's, well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh cheddar broccoli. That's fine. Okay, that's. I'm the soup musician. I'm the soup gatekeeper. I gatekeep the soups. How about you get the focaccia and you just dip in the soup? Has it like, been a year now since we lost soup plantation? Rip in peace. In the arms of an angel, fly away from here. Good night to Big Chunk Chicken Noodle. Good night to Yankee Clipper Clam Chatter Bacon. Good night to Broccoli Cheese. Good night to Deep Kettle House Chili. Good night to Cream of Mushroom. Good night to Classic Creamy Tomato. Good night. And I think that's pretty much it, honestly. Good night, Sweet Prince. <laughs> Good night. Good night to Classic Mac. Oh. <laughs> Good night to. Quattro formaggio, formaggio focaccia. Can I do buttermilk cornbread? Can I do cheesy garlic focaccia? Can I do wildly blueberry muffin? Wait, wildly blue blueberry muffin. Jesus. Oh, it's very blue. Can I do cheesy garlic focaccia? Can I do brownie bites? Good night to vanilla soft serve and tapioca pudding. Good night, cottage cheese. <laughs> Good night to Jones Broccoli Madness with oh, bacon yes. and cashews. I love that. I actually like Jones Broccoli Madness. In the arms of the angels, fly away from here. Anyways, 
let us know what other restaurants have closed during the pandemic that you are sad about. Um, one of ours down the street just closed, yeah. where I used to get some good honey walnut shrimp. Rip in peace. Rip in peace. I don't want to call them out because, like, <laughs> it's I don't know. I just want to acknowledge that they're gone, but I don't want to be very particular about it. Good night, sweet princes. Good night. And good night to you, you. D- listener. Because it's probably midnight by now. Yes. Go sleep. Go sleep. Good night. And thank you for listening to this prayer on the air. Stay tuned next week. We got another special guest. Yes. And this is me, Gary Pay, signing off on National Despair Radio. No, I'm just kidding. Despair on the air. On... BFF.FM Good night. Good night.
Sing.
Fair. 